Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Noelle Wells portrays Emily, a talented but hard-to-classify comedic performer, who left behind her home and boyfriend to pursue career opportunities in L.A., in Los Angeles. When a loved one falls ill, Emily rushes back home to Austin, where she is forced to stay with her ex-boyfriend and her newly and new and improved girlfriend, uh, a totally together woman with a five-year plan. And from there, the, the, the hijinks and, and stuff Per, uh, ensue and uh, it's a fun film. The film is called Mr. Roosevelt and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I've had a great time with it and we're fortunate and lucky enough to have with us the director and writer of the film, Mr. Roosevelt and that would be Noelle Wells. Noelle, welcome to Film School. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, well, tell me, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know if this, it seems like this might have happened, some version of this might have happened to you, maybe not. Tell me where the story came from. None of it's happened. I mean, all of it's kind of happened to me, but none of it's happened at all. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, it's definitely a fictionalized m- movie. It's just I wanted it to be an enjoyable film, and you, you, I wrote it to be the movie. Um, the character of Emily was this person that I had been thinking about um, writing since I was in college, and I even wrote little scenes for her in a screenwriting class. Um, And uh, after SNL, I wrote a script and it was packed with like years of ideas and it was all over the place. And everybody was like, yeah, it's funny, but not exactly like a movie yet. And the idea for Mr. Roosevelt as a centering event came to me um, fairly recently (laughs) with, um, my cat, my cat came and like stared at me when I was crying in in my apartment and feeling really sorry for myself. And so the the idea, sort of like to to be around him, happened uh-huh. then. Yeah. Okay. Well, and the reason I, maybe that was a little bit presumptuous to say this seems like it happened to you because it does seem to be such a uh, um, maybe intimate's not the right word, but it sure felt um, a, like a lived in film experience. Uh, yeah, I think um, I like honesty, and so I and I'm that that that's the most important part to me as far as telling a story. So things that I've pulled in from my life, I put into the and put into the film were there to make to make the movie feel honest and real. Um, I, I didn't want to manufacture anything, but um, I only did things that would serve the story. Yeah. Well, it's um, much of the film. I think all of the film is in Austin, and um, which always, you know, it's so great. Often, not always, but often, films that originate or set in or a byproduct, a byproduct of the the film culture in in Austin. Um, I I'm a fan. I, I've I, there's so many films that I've um, been fortunate to have the filmmakers on the show that were a part of the Austin film scene that have just been wonderfully honest and just fun films, great films, actually. Is that something that you have experience with? Are you, you are you from the Austin area? 
I'm from Texas, and I went to college um, in Austin at UT, and I I did the film major there, and um, it is a, a really great community um, of people that come together and work together to make the films happen. And since the, the and since the industry is much smaller there, people that are very passionate about it, and um, and they do it because they they care about what they're making. Because there's not a lot of money to be made. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like a, it's not, you don't do it to get rich and famous. Um, you, you do it because you want to tell a story. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, for people who don't know, and you, you can probably name a lot more than I can, but Richard Linklater is from Austin. He sort of, in some ways, feels like the godfather of Austin in filmmaking re- circles. Uh, but also, Andrew Bojalski is uh, from there. He was come up with some of my favorite films, uh, including Beeswax, and just a number of really... Was it called Chess with the film? Did, I don't know if you've seen the film that he did that was set in uh, like the 1970s, artificial intelligence playing chess against... Great stuff. I'm sorry. I'm on a tangent. Sorry about no. that. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's great. So anyway, so it's good to see the, uh, uh, an environment for filmmakers that seems to be supportive, and especially for for you for you as this first f- feature length film that you've made, and you certainly bid off a lot as writer, uh, director, or producer of the film. What was your sort of sense of this going into it? What did you feel? You know as a your level of confidence and your ability to pull all this together you know i wouldn't call it confidence (laughs) i didn't don't think i went into it with confidence but with uh, but for some reason i just knew that i it was i was going to be able to do it um the thing that kind of made me nervous was um working with so many more people i i've been filming my own things for a long time and I, i knew that i knew what i was able to do um, it's just harder to communicate when you have so many more people. So I think this, the one the one challenge for me was actually just being a boss to so many people. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really good at bossing myself around. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a little bit harder. Um, it's a little bit harder when you're working with a hundred other people. Um, but yeah, I, I but I knew I was going to be able to do the, the the most important parts of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I mean. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Noelle Wells, and she's the director of the new film, Mr. Roosevelt. And, I mean, does it help or hurt? Did it help you, maybe more specifically, did it help you or did it create a challenge for you to be the lead and the director? Did You must have had people around you who were very supportive and very uh, collaborative in this in, endeavor. But what was that? The, I mean, the first day on the on first shoot day, right? You're out there. Yeah. You're directing yourself, huh. what, 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 and I'm sure over time you got better at at sort of uh, managing that. But what was those first few days like? Where you were, and how did you get through those first you know first few days of as a director and as the lead in the film? Um, well, the first day I uh, I showed up to set as the director and was like looking at what everybody was doing. Everybody's working. And then I was like, wait, where am I supposed to be getting hair and makeup done? And they're like, not here at base camp. <laughs> and I was like, right, I have to be in another place. So at times it literally feels like you're having to be in two places at once. Yeah. Um, I think just the technical issue of that was 
funny but also kind of problematic because I want to see what's going on and I, I and, and so I think if anything the more the most difficult part of it was it was just kind of isolating um, because I was having to do two things mm-hmm. I think if I was just a director I'd get to like hang around with everybody I, you know get to talk to the camera department get to talk to production design um, you know about what's happening uh, but instead while I would have had that time to do that, I'm having to go get dressed or having to look at lines or having to talk to, you know. Yeah. I, I think that that was hard. But directing myself, um, I think because I had been doing, I've been filming myself for such a long time, that, that was easy. Hmm. Uh, I think it was a little confusing for other people, maybe, about how I was, about the situation. And, like, when they're allowed to talk to me as a director or as the actor, does that make, you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but by the end, everybody, I think everybody, once everybody saw how it was going to happen, then it was just happening. Right. Well, that, okay, so so as as the someone who was used to directing yourself, but now you have other people. You have Nick Thune, you have uh, yeah. Britt, you have people that are expecting to hear from you. Now, did you have time to, to set up rehearsal days? Did you guys do a, shoot, shoot a sort of an improv-related script? What was sort of the, the nuts and bolts of you? So let's start at the beginning of that, directing other people. What was it? Yeah. What, uh, well, since it was an indie film, so there wasn't, uh, there wasn't a lot of time for any rehearsals. But fortunately, um, me and Nick got to rehearse some of the, the bigger scenes um, before we started shooting and also on weekends um, when we weren't shooting, we would um, just run lines. Uh, the script, it was very tightly scripted. Okay. It was really important to me that because we were shooting on film that we, people were prepared and we shot what was scripted first and foremost and we kind of had to do that. And then there was always like a take where people were able to do a little bit something different or do something that they they felt like they wanted to do. And there was room for people to improvise um, when appropriate. But to me, it was more important that we, we get the script down. Um, directing the actors, you know, I... Somebody said, somebody said this, I don't know who said it, but basically like most of directing is casting um, because if you get the right people in the part, you don't have to do as much directing, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, they're yeah. so talented, they they do what they're good at. And um, so fortunately, I just got really incredibly talented actors who made the characters, them, you know, their own. And, I mean, there was directing, there was direction, there were things that I needed out of this scene, but sometimes you have to you have to sort of steer them to that moment, but once they get it, then they get to run with it. Yeah. Um, I think um, the, the one thing that I do think was a little confusing for the actors was when they were acting with me, only because I'm also watching as a director, and I think that that can be... That, that can kind of take people out of the moment if they're worried about what I'm thinking of them while I'm looking them in the eyes and pretending to be a character. Right. And I could definitely see sometimes how that would throw people. Um, so I, I really tried to not be there as the director while I was acting. And if we needed to make any adjustments, you know, making, a, making sure to take a moment, separate myself as, like, out of the scene make it something different and then come back to the scene. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that, I just said a whole bunch of stuff. But yeah. No, no. And, and by the way, I believe it was Hitchcock who said that uh, casting is 90% of, of a, making a movie. I, I'm, I'm, Thank you. I'll say that from now on. It uh, better be Hitchcock. I'm going to be telling everybody it's Hitchcock now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not too confident about a lot of things in my life, but I'm pretty confident about that one. So, but awesome. yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> I'm, glad we, I'm glad we talked because I've been trying to use that quote. And <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, I probably could have just Googled it, but I haven't. <laughs> Well, it's so so. There obviously, you know, production like this. It, so there's a. I mean, I assume the learning curve. So by the end of the production, you you you. I'm just curious how how you now feel. You've done this. You've done this. Yeah. Done so many of the different uh, aspects of filmmaking. Uh, what do you take away from it? What, I mean, how how eager are you to 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 try something like this again? Oh, I'm very. I mean, it's all I want to do. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, really what I've, I mean, it was a very long, arduous process that, um, you know, a lot of it is about the movie, but then there is a lot of things that I went through that are about me and learning how to navigate myself in this world. And some of the things that I'll take away is that I really need to just trust my instincts and not let people sort of get in my head. I think that that's been a very valuable lesson. Um, there's also a part of me that has learned that it's in a creative process, you have to really be willing to jump into the unknown. Mm-hmm. And and even if you don't have all the answers, if you keep pushing, things will kind of emerge, if that makes sense. You go. I went into this movie with a script and I thought it was going to be a very particular way. So many things happen along the way that completely transform what you imagine was going to happen. And I can imagine a world where if I held on too tightly, like some really great things couldn't have happened. So I'm looking forward to making my next movie and sort of opening it up to the unknown even more. So and sort of experimenting a little bit more and uh, being willing to let things grow as it's happening. Well, well, and it's got to feel good. I know that, you know, there's sort of a Rotten Tomatoes backlash right now going on, and I understand it. And I that's why I'm always very careful when I say things like I'm about to say. But it's I know a, what you're going to say. But it's 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, I know, it's scary. I know, I know, and I understand all that. I get it, and I understand. But that's why I always look at the reviews. I actually try to spend time. Okay, if they're saying this, and so often you hear, well, I like the movie, but, you know, and, and that right, it's right. being a positive review, you know, so. Uh, but um, so, but anyway, it is, and it's been well received. I guess that's a long way of saying it's been yeah. very well received, and that's great news uh, for you. And I, I will say, just as sort of a you know a, a lover of film, and and sort of to see uh, uh, people come into the to the realm of filmmaking, uh, first time filmmakers. A lot of people who come on the show are first time filmmakers. And what I like about your film is that it's funny. There's 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 an element there's a sort of a bittersweet element to it. There's a lot of different things kind of running around inside your film of, about growing up, relationships, coming to terms with things in your your life, and all that. And to, you've kind of tapped into something that it's easy to make fun of millennials. It's sort of kind of almost become kind of it's just a I don't know. It's it's just become too easy in some ways. But what I like about your movie is. I thought you really tapped into a kind of a God. I hate this kind of word, but a kind of a zeitgeist of sorts regarding 
this you know this sort of uh, this part of our of our of our culture and of our, our society that I thought was very well rounded for for in in a in a well in a way I mean there's a couple of scenes where <laughs> you are making fun of of that sort of attitude that you, you know but there's a satirical edge to it but I still felt like when I was watching the characters in the film. It just felt good. It felt good to see the the people portrayed millennials or not. But it felt good. But it felt specific to me as well. Is that too rambling? I mean, am, am I making no, sense? No, it's so nice, and it means a lot to me that you're saying that. Um, I feel. I guess I feel for my generation. I feel like we're very lost. The economy is so bizarre yes yes nobody really confronts it or talks about it and nobody's doing it and nobody's reflecting on reflecting on it and i think in a fair and on i, I don't know how, how do i say this yeah. i don't really like the way that comedy is i don't like or how it's been um since i've been trying to do comedy i don't like making fun of things just to make fun of things. right right i like to, i want to explore it i want to know why people are the way they are i want to i want to figure out what makes them tick. I want to I, I want to identify with everybody that I'm encountering. Right. Um, it's too easy comedically to like make fun of somebody or say that they're wrong. That's just not an interesting way right. of going about existence and it's not interesting for me to see movies or television that comedically do that to people. And so it may, means a lot to me. I and I I guess Emily, the character of Emily and why I've been working on her since college is because I've been noticing, since I've been in college, like just kind of noticing how the system's sort of set up and how you move your way up into it and nothing really pays off and nobody's really talking about it and everybody's hurting and confused and like like people can't really make money if they're not in tech and that doesn't seem to, I don't know, just everything seems very fractured. It, It, yeah. Yeah. So, and I wanted to tell the story of a person who tries to pursue her goals, abandons her friends and her her boyfriend and people that actually cared about her chasing after something that doesn't pay off. Because right. I feel like that that's what being a millennial is all about. <laughs> well, and, and I will say, just uh, I'm older, I'm, uh, so I, I mean, I can I think what it feels like. First of all, I don't think there's ever been a generation that's been faced with this double, triple whammy of a failing economy in a society that seems to be on on, on the wane and as a world power. And in, right. and, in, <laughs> and in addition to that, um, we're facing a catastrophic series of events that are very, very immediate in terms of if the whole world doesn't do something, something really her- horrific is going to begin to happen. And I don't know of another generation that's ever been faced with that, you know, looking forward for their futures that has ever been, you know, come up against something. I mean, we've been through world wars. I'm not going to diminish the, the, you know, the the immediacy of, of a horrible world war and all. But at the same time, the, there's a lot. There's a lot. And again, that's what I, I felt that I really, really kind of touched on this kind of humanity of things. And uh, without, you know, teeing up the easy, easy laugh as well. And so, congratulations. I mean, really, I just want to say I'm, I'm really thankful that, that the film came came out the way it did. And, and uh, I just felt very connected to the, the, what you were, I think, what you were trying to get to with it. So, um, yeah. And, you know, it's not perfect, but I hope we'll keep being able to do that, you know, yeah. um, look at, and, you know, hopefully my next movie is going to, uh, interestingly, what you're saying is hopefully will be a, 
it's going to talk a little bit more about that. Like, you know, the, there's like a genuine palpable darkness yeah. that uh, people are not actually facing. No, no, we and are whistling past the graveyard right now. I really do feel that way. Yeah, and it's going to, like, there has to be a... Yeah. I, I hate using this word, but to me, the only thing I feel like that's going to help is, like, there has to be, like, some kind of, like, spiritual revolution. Right. Or, like, right. some kind of come... You ha- we have, we're going to have to come to our knees and realize, like, you, you can't keep the direction no. not changing course. Like, we have to do something. Right. There's an economist, unfortunately a Reagan-era economist, who said, and I, I say this all the time, a sustainable situation... A sustainable situation... No, it was an economy, a sustainable. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm blowing this. Uh, what if I knew this quote perfectly and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, no, it's a sustainable situation is not sustainable." It, I butchered it, but that's basically what because we seem to not get that concept that an unsustainable situation is not sustainable, <laughs> and, and 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 that that's the thing I think we need to really come to grips with. I think that's kind of what, and in some weird way, I feel like. You're tapping into some of that, and um, yeah. yeah. So hopefully, I can keep. You know, like I think, like I said, like the creative process is it's 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 complicated. I don't know. This is why I'm doing it because yeah. I want to talk about these things. Yeah. But I want to talk about these things in a way that people can hear, or or it's like almost like you sneak it in. Yes. That's <laughs> like what making I want. a movie. You know, this is a comedy, and it's really absurd, and it is about a cat, but. Maybe on a subconscious level, you'll also kind of understand some other things that I'm kind of that yeah. I kind of want to talk about. Right. Well, cats. So pe- yeah. pe- people love cat videos. You got them. Yeah. Persian horse are yes. our revolution. <laughs> That's right. Well, I've got to wrap it up, unfortunately, Noel. And I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I really hope that uh, you make more film and you come back because I really Thank want to you. continue the conversation. Uh, the film, again, is Mr. Roosevelt. It's opening here in Los Angeles, I believe, at the – oh, my God. I should know this. At the Lemley? I got it. Okay. I got it for you. Cine Lounge. Arena oh, the, Cine Lounge. That's right. Arena. Thank you. Arena Cinema. And um, and thank you. Uh, Noel Wells, producer, director, writer, star of um, and uh, for uh, of the film, Mr. Roosevelt. Thanks. Thank you. Take care. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.